Thank you for joining me today. This is Colin Hamilton, Commodities Analyst at BMO Capital Markets. And welcome to our short Metals Matters podcast where we highlight the key things you need to know in global metals and mining this week. First topic this week. We've updated our commodity price forecast and that's a fool's errand at the best of times, never mind when the markets are all over the place. It does seem like every time we have to look at forecast changes, it's volatile out there. But at the end of the day, you have to go with what you know versus what you don't. So what do we know? China, definitely starting to look better. And you are getting the typical recovery path. Credit into fixed asset investment, coming into property, and eventually that'll get to the consumer. I note that's not the consumers off to the races recovery the wider market seem to expect. That is not the way that China works. Now with this, we do think that industrial metal fundamentals will generally be improving over the coming quarter, though arguably some will need to do so to backstop current prices. Given the lack of visibility later in the year, however, with recession fears on the rise again, precious metals are also a bit of a prudent hedge. Thus, we've raised the majority of price estimates for this year. Hard coking coal is up 25%, US steel hot roll coal 22%, that's mainly on the strength year to date. We have copper, zinc and palladium above current levels in the second quarter on average. Our average gold price is up 13% with a third quarter peak and silver's up 8%. Now on the flip side, thermal coal, cobalt estimates, they've both been pushed lower. One other thing to note, we've rolled into dollars of 2023 for long-term prices from 2022. For long-run prices, we always do those in dollars of today, and that day has moved on. In a period of little inflation, this roll probably wouldn't matter, but for this year, in a higher inflation environment, it has seen us push through a broad uplift to long-run forecasts. We're $1,500 an ounce for gold now, and $3.95 a pound for copper. That is, again, in today's money. To be clear, you have to be cognizant of the financial and macroeconomic risks that are prevalent in the 2023 outlook. These are plentiful, and on balance, the contagion risks from the recent banking crisis would skew the risk profile around our industrial base case to the downside, while potentially buoying safe haven demand for precious metals. Now, at the keynote panel at our Global Metals Mining Critical Minerals Conference this year, there was a lot of interest in the slide presented on mining investment. Uh, That was my slide, and something we've been asked for repeatedly since. The slide was about expansion capex and EBITDA. So, what was the context? Well, metals and mining companies, of course, have started to talk more openly about investment, but are thus far really doing little about it in way of action. And this is why there's a growing recognition of the underinvestment in new assets over recent years, with only a handful of commodity exceptions. For the past 20 years, on average, expansion capex across the global metals and mining industry has typically run at or above 20% of EBITDA. That's natural in an industry that needs investment to stand still owing to grade depletion. However, the past few years, and particularly the last couple of years, have seen this metric slip to around 10% half of what it was, with shareholder returns favoured even as free cash rose. It has arguably never been harder to build a new mine owing to CapEx escalation concerns, shareholder resistance and environmental and ESG challenges. So we see companies looking towards buying rather than building any growth. We saw another example of that this week with Lundin's investment into Cazarones. 
Given the timeline to bring them into market, this lack of investment is storing up issues for later in the decade where balances do look incrementally tighter. I'd reiterate again, we need to see medium to long term pricing. These prices need to trade at a premium to the cost curve given the need to substitute or thrift demand in a number of metals, but particularly those exposed to the fuel to materials transition. This week we got a little more detail on China's trade over January, February. It is unusual of course to get the detail behind two months at the same time, but it can happen owing to Lunar New Year timing, as was the case this year. A couple of elements in there that I found interesting. Of course, this data is backward looking, but it does help to explain some dynamics in the early part of the year. Well, the rapid fall in spot lithium prices year-to-date have attracted a lot of market attention, and we talked about it a bit in our EV upgrade that was in the last Metal Matters. Our view is still that much of this is a weak spot in demand, as OEMs, cathode manufacturers, destock, wait for a price floor, and that's from the EV side through the whole battery chain. However, supply has clearly also played a part. So this customs data for January-February shows that China's spodumene imports in February was 34% year-on-year, and that's following a record import month of over 500,000 tonnes gross weight in January. And that allowed China's lithium hydroxide exports to rise 70% year-on-year over January-February. Then if we look at lithium carbonate imports over the two months, they rose 31% year-on-year. Chile makes up the vast majority of these volumes. Lithium is a fast-growing market, both for supply and demand, but availability to marginal buyers clearly grew at the start of this year, following the strong investment seen in the mine side over the past 18 months. The second element I wanted to highlight quickly is gold, where China's net imports via Hong Kong tripled month-on-month to 65 tonnes in February. In recent times, only June 2018 and August 2022 saw higher volumes. Is the central bank buying? Well, that's probably part of it. Is it retail investors? Maybe. Either way, it does help to explain the relative gold price strength even predating the recent financial market turmoil. Finally, this week, I wanted to talk quickly about the dynamics in the alumina market. Global alumina output was stable on the year, 133 million tonnes annualised in February, as according to latest data from the IAI. Seems pretty boring at headline level. However, this disguised some very different performances in the regional markets. Output in Australia dropped 18% year-on-year, owing to the gas problems uh, afflicting many key refineries, notably Quinana, Portland and Worsley. European output fell 37% year-on-year, so even with some restarts elsewhere, ex-China production dropped over 5 million tonnes annualised on a year-on-year basis. In complete contrast, China's alumina output rose 10% year-on-year to 76 million tonnes per annum. China now accounts for 57% of global alumina production, that's a new high. So, alumina prices have actually had a relatively strong first quarter of the year on the back of the refinery issues. The world has needed China to reduce its call on the market, and international alumina pricing rose to close the import arbitrage and dissuade Chinese buyers. At the same time though, the cost structure of the Chinese industry has been dropping. Spot bauxite's now $60 a tonne delivered from $70 at the start of the year with new Guinean supply in the market. Caustic soda prices have dropped 25% year-to-date. That means that's a 100 to 200 RMB per tonne drop in the cost to an alumina refinery, depending on the bauxite quality they have. What happens now? We expect some ex-China output recovery in the second quarter, and that means we're going to see some competition for market share between the traditional ex-China suppliers 
and increasingly competitive domestic refineries into the North China market, which is still net short of material at the moment. Whatever happens, we would be expecting prices to return to the cost curve in the near future. And if we look further ahead, we are likely to see need to see closures of existing capacity. Perhaps the only hope for price outperformance in alumina would be restrictions on bauxite supply, pollution-related cuts reversing the Chinese trend of capacity addition, or a rising global cost curve owing to external market pressures rather than anything within the market itself. Thank you for listening to Metal Matters. If you have any questions or suggestions for topics you'd like to hear me address, please just get in touch directly. And I do hope you can join me next time around to discuss more pertinent issues for the global metals and bulk commodity markets. That was Metal Matters, presented by BMO Capital Markets Equity Research. You can subscribe to Metal Matters on Apple Podcasts and other podcast providers, or visit our website at researchglobalzero.bmocapitalmarkets.com to listen to more episodes, including our other podcast series, BMO Equity Research in Tune. If you have feedback or suggestions for upcoming podcasts, please do share it with me at colin.hamilton.com at bimo.com To access our full disclosures please visit researchglobalzero.bimocapitalmarkets.com forward slash public hyphen disclosure